Hey, Love Tribe, get excited for another great episode with Chase and our special guest. But before we start, I wanted to remind you about our amazing and free 14-day happy couple challenge. I don't know about you, but with the upcoming holidays, I'm feeling this hectic energy and I'm craving some grounding, fun, and meaningful connection with my partner. So whether you've been with your partner for many years and you're needing to mix things up or you're a newly coupled and you're looking to dive in to learn more about each other, the 14-Day Happy Couple Challenge is perfect for anyone wanting to deepen their relationship and have fun while doing it. So head on over to our website to sign up. You can start connecting deeper physically and emotionally today over at idopodcast.com slash 14 with our simple, easy, and doable daily challenges arriving straight into your inbox daily. This free 14-Day Challenge will help you break the old habits and build new engaging habits that will push you to create a deeper intimacy with your partner. Sign up today for free for the 14-Day Happy Couple Challenge to start strengthening and improving your relationship today. Head on over to idopodcast.com slash 14. That's idopodcast.com slash 14 to sign up for our free challenge today. What's going on, guys? I hope you're having a great day. We've got a great show for you today where we welcome Amy Scott. She is a certified financial coach who teaches couples how to get on the same page about their money and believes it might be the most important thing they do for their relationship. And she is passionate about helping couples to do more with their money so they can experience less stress and more confidence about the wealth of their future. And today I talked to Amy about just that finances and planning with your partner and how to think about it. It's really important to get on the same page with your partner. And Amy gives us three steps to go through that she takes all of her clients through to help get on the same page. And one of those includes a blow dough account, meaning spending account for the fun stuff, uh, which is important that it's not all just serious. Obviously, there's times to save, but times to have things for vacations and maybe even your own personal things that's spending outside of the relationship. And Amy walks us through how to do just that and how to have those conversations with your partner. As always, we appreciate you guys tuning into the show and we hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, Amy. Thanks for joining the show today. Thanks so much for having me, Chase. Today, we're going to talk about finances, and we've had several shows in the past, but it's been a while, over half a year since we talked about it, and it's an area that some therapists say is one of the most troublesome areas in a long-term relationship, that is finances. So it's certainly important to talk about. So why don't we start with having you tell our listeners 
why you enjoy helping couples navigate finances, and then maybe some of the biggest things to look out for. And we'll talk about how we can do it better. Okay, great. So uh, why I enjoy it? (laughs) Um, That's a good question. I think because really with my own personal experience, what my husband and I went through early on in our marriage with two very young kids and me wanting to take some time off from work and not having the income coming in from just my husband's job for me to be able to do that. So that was real. um, That was about 10 years ago. And I was not, finances was not my background, actually. I worked in public health, but it was that pinpoint in our marriage when I felt like there was something I wanted to be able to do, which is to be able to take some time off with our kids and having these two young boys, honestly, being incredibly exhausted, having anxiety about going back to work and feeling like that was not an option for me. So it was during that time that I said, how can we make this an option? How can I maybe take three to six months off? that I got really interested in the subject of personal finances and started digging in deep and finding a way for us, for our family, for me to be able to take that time off. And over the few years after that, I realized that there was a way that I enjoyed budgeting and saw numbers and was able to talk to couples about it that others didn't necessarily come easy in their marriages. And I saw all the things that were becoming available to my husband, Mick and I, and I said, this is something I feel like I could help couples get aligned around and it would have a massive impact on their marriages and on their families. So I've spent really the last seven years of my financial career trying to figure out how best to serve couples to get on the same page about money. And I think what's really interesting to me about it is when they are able to, the results are exponential and things that they find that they wanted for themselves or in their marriage that they didn't think were possible become possible when they get aligned around money. So let's talk about getting on the same page with our partner when it comes to money. How do we begin that process? Well, I am not going to say to immediately sit down and start budgeting and looking at numbers with each other, Chase. I actually think that the first piece is to start with being curious. A lot of times in my experience, definitely in my marriage and with couples that I work with, whether they're married or not, but share finances, there are underlying beliefs, expectations, attitudes about money that haven't necessarily come to the surface in the marriage. Uh, or in the partnership. So I think the first step in all relationships is to be curious. Start to sit down and have a conversation about money before you take out all the numbers and say, well, why did we spend this? And how can we cut back? Or how can we have this? Start with a conversation. And I like to say as much as you can without judgment or criticism to understand how your spouse or partner thinks about money. So that's the first step to really, I don't know, in my experience, sometimes when I have conversations with my husband and we've been married for 15 years, I feel like I know what he's going to say or I know what his perspective is going to be. So it's an ongoing process for me. And I find with the clients that I work with to listen without that judgment, without that criticism, take a step back and try to understand things like, What messages did you hear about money growing up, for example? And sit back and try to get an understanding of where your partner's coming from 
and how they may have learned about money differently from their parents, peers, colleagues, et cetera. And then another question I would have, I don't want to throw too many questions, but the next question I would have is, is there anything that you want to do, but you don't feel like we have enough money to do it? So you don't even bring up that conversation. That often elicits uh, a lot of responses around maybe something that the spouse or partner wants in the relationship that they haven't necessarily voiced yet with their partner. So let's talk about how we look at money. Obviously, everyone has different family backgrounds and it can get really complicated. But when I think about money and different people's perspective around money, I think about savers and spenders. Is that accurate? <laughs> and would that be a simple way for us to break it down and maybe talk about what to do if our partner's a saver and I'm a spender or vice versa? Yeah, I think that's a, often, uh, I think it's true that opposites attract. So I think you could have somebody who's more of a saver and somebody who's more of a spender in a relationship. What I actually find a lot is somebody in a relationship who is more interested in the numbers. And that tends to be the person who is the saver more potentially, but somebody who, you know, is interested in looking at the numbers, looks at the bank account, sees what's coming in and out. And the other person, again, maybe more the spender, but maybe as somebody who isn't necessarily interested in looking at those numbers, avoids conversations around money, isn't really clear what the uh, pin is to the bank account or looking at those numbers. And I think that's what can often cause tension inside of a couple. So there is that spender versus saver, but there's this other piece of one person who has their head in those um, the bills, knows what's going in and out for that. And then the other person is spending money in the day-to-day. Now, listen, maybe they're overspending um, based on the perspective of the spouse who manages the money, but maybe they're not really overspending. Maybe they're just the person in the couple who does more of the day-to-day spending. So you might have somebody who typically more does the groceries or the Amazon orders or, you know, taking kids for pizza after uh, soccer practice, for example. And the person who's managing the monthly bills is the other person and feels like they're not necessarily on the same page because they are over there, they're managing the monthly budget, they're trying to pay those bills, and they feel like there's unexpected expenses, whether we consider that overspending or not, but unexpected expenses that throw their perfect budget over here out of whack. And that can often cause stress or upset inside of a couple. So that's the piece is how do we get both members on the same page. You're not going to necessarily have somebody who's not interested in looking at all those numbers, check it every day. But how do you have them seeing the full picture together? Because in my experience, each member of the couple has their viewpoints, but they're both operating from that that's the truth, as opposed to the bigger picture around the financial, around the finances of the financial plan. So a couple comes to you, They've been fighting. They're trying to get on the same page. What's the first step that you would take them through to to move forward? So I think the first step is some of those um, pieces I talked about before, encouraging them to have a conversation where they are interested and curious about learning each other's backgrounds, 
beliefs, and perspectives around money. The second piece of that, after they've done that exercise, and often I'll have clients do that before they even meet with me or in an initial conversation that I have with them, I will give that to them like as an assignment to go do that with each other. The second piece of it is to really have them get clear about why we're having this conversation. Because I don't know about you, but I hear a lot of times with money, this idea of, um, well, we're here because we should be doing better with our money. We're making good money. We should be doing better with it. We're not sure what that looks like, but that word uh, finds its way into many different pieces of the conversation we're having with them. And I will often say to couples who first come to me that should is not going to carry the day as far as a why. Why are we here? What is it that you want? Do you want to have an experience of feeling more connected to your partner? Or is there something tangible that you want? Because often for me, the clients will say, hey, I'm really interested. You know, We really want to be able to have our child go to college in five years. And then we see if we keep doing things as we're doing them, we're not going to get there. Or maybe, for example, we want to be able to work fewer hours or start a business. That piece is really important to define together. And maybe they're not the same thing, but like, so both members of the couple understand there's often a lot of ahas of, I wasn't sure that you wanted that. You know, how can we get there? And the why is going to be what carries the day. So we start with that being curious, getting clear about the why. And it's not like I have a hierarchy of what has to be, you know, what is a defining why. It just has to be something that lights the members of the couple up. So once we have that why that's clear, then I will work with them in bringing clarity to how it is that they're spending their money right now in actions that they can take to be able to get um, towards that thing that they want for themselves in their lives. Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. Hey, Love Tribe. I have just a few questions for you. I want to know why you are here listening to the podcast. Are you here because you want to stop bickering with your partner and you want to feel truly heard? Or are you looking for ways to reignite your sex life? Or do you want to feel more emotionally connected with your partner? Or do you just long for those fun, giggly moments of connection that you used to have at the beginning of your relationship? Well, over the last decade of hosting this podcast, those were the main reasons people tuned into the show. And we get it. We've been there. So we created our course, Spark My Relationship, because we wanted to put those tools to unlocking a fulfilling relationship right in your hands. We're offering $100 off our course, Spark My Relationship, which is a self-paced course designed to help you create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner and have an amazing time doing it. We've collaborated with over 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you the strategies that marriage therapists teach their clients. So to unlock this special offer of our course, our listeners can visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock to get $100 off. That's sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock. 
We touch on this concept in our episodes frequently. We're better able to show up as our best selves in relationships when our bodies and minds are in a state of harmony. PMS and perimenopause throw a wrench in that whole state of harmony thing. Many women in our community have seen their relationships and their own mental health suffer when PMS and perimenopause symptoms set in. Our sponsor, Happy Mammoth, saw that there was no effective nature-inspired solutions to these issues, so they made one. Estro Control. Relationship Advice listeners can now get 15% off your first order on happymammoth.com with our promo code IDO at checkout. Estro Control is a formula developed by Happy Mammoth, a supplement company dedicated to making women's lives easier. Estro Control contains science-backed herbal extracts that help support hormonal health. The way Estro Control eases PMS is pretty interesting. The ingredients help support the liver, and that's where our hormones get processed, especially estrogen. So when estrogen isn't processed well in our liver, women may start having PMS symptoms, like spots on the skin, cravings, and feeling low all of a sudden. Estro Control was created to help women feel like themselves throughout the whole month. Estro Control is made specifically for women who are premenopausal. It's really great for perimenopause when hormones start to fluctuate and PMS can become especially rough. PMS has been a constant challenge throughout my life, from feeling down to sleeplessness to just not feeling comfortable in my own skin. PMS has put me through the ringer time and time again, and I know it's not just me. I've seen my relationship suffer in those times when PMS takes over. Estro Control works to relieve many of those consuming PMS symptoms, helping us regain control. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first month at happymammoth.com with the promo code I do at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the promo code I do for 15% off your first order. And what would that look like if they they have some clarity? They're like, all right, we want to send our kid to college. Yeah. What are the practical steps to get them moving towards that from a financial standpoint? Absolutely. Uh, That's a great question because they are a lot of different people and they do this a lot of different ways. But the three steps that I have found that are really helpful to all couples after you start having this conversation, after you have a why that will actually that piece is what motivates you. That's the context for the steps I'm going to share. So the first step that I really recommend is, yep, you guessed it, is going back three to six months, maybe a year of your expenses. If you can do that together as a couple, that's great. But it's okay if one person enjoys looking at bank account statements or credit card account statements more than the other. That is perfectly fine. That is like in every relationship, every marriage, you're going to have somebody who may enjoy that more. But what I recommend is you look over the last three to six months and see how you've been spending money. And what I encourage my couples to do is to break down those expenses into three different categories. So the first category, and if you know, if you want to print those out and get a highlighter, or you want to just start to look at how you're spending money from these three different categories, the first category is fixed and recurring expenses. So this is like... Um, you know, your mortgage or your rent, your cell phone bill, maybe a car payment you have. 
anything that is a set amount of money that you pay on usually the same date every month, right? Your mortgage is due the 1st, the 15th, and it's X amount of money. And that doesn't really change a lot. So you want to categorize the expenses first one into the fixed and recurring. The second expense that I want you to start to consider that's different from the first one is day-to-day spending. So this is groceries. Big one nowadays is, of course, Amazon purchases, target runs, pickup, uh, delivery for food, gas. That's the second category of expenses. The third category is what I like to call the, the whammies of life. Those expected or unexpected expenses that don't happen every month and may not happen more than you know once a year. That may be things like car repairs. That may be things like house maintenance, or it could be more exciting whammies like uh, trips, taking a vacation, or maybe buying a big gift. Those are the kind of expenses that don't happen every month, but when they do happen, They can really throw your budget out of whack because sometimes you weren't necessarily expecting them, or maybe you were expecting them, but you didn't necessarily plan for them. So that's the first step I have uh, couples take chase is to really organize their expenses into those three different categories. After they've done that, what I typically find is that the fixed and recurring expenses don't necessarily cause as much stress for couples as the day-to-day spending. So couples are spending a lot, mortgages, rent, car payments, tuition, things like that. But because they know how much that bill is going to be and when it's due, it's so much easier to plan around. So the second step that I give to couples is to turn their everyday spending into a fixed expense. Nowadays, it really is swipe our debit card, swipe our credit card. That money starts to build up over time, right? Over the month that we don't really know how much we're going to spend in that area. So that is what causes the frustration, not knowing that. So if you can turn that into a fixed expense, it can lessen arguments. It can lessen disagreements. It gives everyone a shared agreement of this is how much we're going to spend on day-to-day spending. So what I recommend that my clients do is to set up a second checking account and call it spending account. So it can be at the same bank if you want to, where you have your bill account, for example. And then look over the last three to six months and see how much are we spending? How much are we spending on groceries, gas, Amazon, et cetera, all that swiping debit card, credit card expenses And let's say, for example, your couple is spending, let's make it easy and say $2,500 a month. The idea would be that you would transfer that into the spending account and then only use the spending account for day-to-day spending. Now, the beauty of this is we've created it as a fixed bill that the couple can plan around. They've aligned on the amount together. And no longer are those nickel and dime, small and sometimes bigger expenses hitting the bill account. We've separated those. So the swiping of our debit card doesn't go over and you know mess with the bill account. So often my clients are doing what we call mental math, where they're looking at their bank account and saying, okay, what bills haven't cleared? Okay, how much can I spend on this? Setting up that separate spending account gives something that the couple has agreed to spend money on, an amount and a way to spend that. And then you're not commingling the bills with the everyday spending. 
So that's the second step. And then the third step is to turn those whammies, those expected, like a vacation you're going on in the summer, you know it's coming, you know when it's coming, you often know how much it will be, and unexpected, maybe medical expenses, turn those expenses into fixed amounts. And the way to do that, what I recommend, is to identify what are those whammies of life for you and set up separate savings accounts for each one. The online banks are really great at allowing you to set up multiple savings accounts. And then what I recommend that people do, Chase, is to look and see, for example, with car repairs, how much do we spend on car repairs for the year? Maybe $2,400. Break it down every month and pay the bill of $200 a month to the car savings account. That way you can build up those savings accounts. And when something hits your budget that you didn't expect or you didn't plan for, you have money saved inside of your savings accounts so you don't blow your budget for the month. So that's the third step. And those are the the three things I have my clients do to start to get on the same page together around money. That makes a lot of sense. It's systematizing everything. So it's got a place. And that, that last one I really like of having the car repairs, for instance, and making that a monthly bill and paying that into the savings account. As someone who does not like numbers, <laughs> that is, <laughs> that's really valuable just to have all those things set, not doing the mental math like you talked about, and then paying the monthly bill into the savings account and it's all there. Yes, absolutely. And sometimes people think about those just as like car repairs or house repairs, not as exciting. But what I recommend that my clients do is go back to some of the conversations you had at the beginning of your relationship. You know, I don't know about you, but, uh, you know, often there are things that we say that we want, but we maybe never get around to inside of our couple. So my husband and I went to Costa Rica on our honeymoon, which was, I don't know, 15 years ago. And it's always been something we've talked about going back to. But up until about two years ago, it was like a hope, a wish, and a dream. When we started getting more into finances and talking about finances together, we set up a separate savings account called Costa Rica. And there's a certain amount we put towards that every month. And that has caused so much excitement for us to see that account build up over time. So it could be anything. It could be, hey, we really want to build a business or we want to do a home renovation or we want to, I don't know, do something great with our family and we're going to build up to that. So it's not always the whammies that hit you uh, that are not as exciting. They can be exciting ones as well that you save for. So you're walking a couple through these three steps and let's say for the unexpected slash expected being a trip, Mm. there's some disagreement. Let's say instead of a trip, it's I want a new barbecue grill and (laughs) the partner disagrees and they're like, we don't need that. Or yeah, we kind of have the money, but let's spend it on a trip. Obviously, these things are going to come up. How do you work towards a compromise around that? And when is it maybe financially irresponsible to spend a little bit of extra money on something that you don't absolutely need? So those are two different questions, both of which are great. Here's the thing. If two people want something and they want that differently, I'm going to bring you back to what I said at the beginning, which is being curious and listening. 
because there's no right answer. I mean, I would have to kind of look at all their finances to see and guide them in this conversation. But where I would start from is, well, why is it that you want to have that grow? You know, what is it that you want to do with that? What kind of experiences do we want to have that? Try to listen. And I don't understand what the other person wanted. Was it like a vacation, for example? I think that's what it was. Like, again, well, why do you want to go on that vacation? What do you hope to get out of that? I hope that by being curious and by listening, like, and what I really mean by listening is like, keep dropping what you think is going to be the answer from your partner, that you may get a greater appreciation or understanding for why they want that thing, why they want that experience. Uh, That's how I would guide them. And in most circumstances, people will come back with, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that's necessarily why you wanted that. Um, And with my clients, Chase, I set up with them. I use Google Sheets. So we have uh, a budget set up. It's called the plan ahead budget where they can always see 12 months ahead the impact of the financial choices they're making today on what they say they want in the future. And I think that's really crucial because so much budgeting nowadays, it's like people are quote unquote budgeting, but it's like one month increments. So when you ask that second question about, you know, when would it be financially, you know, quote unquote, irresponsible or or maybe not the best choice around our couple's finances, the only way to answer that, I think, is for the couple to clearly see, well, here's what we want over the next year, for example, and well, buying that grill will bring us this enjoyment, but it won't allow us to have X in six months, for example. So I think the couple's so need nowadays to be able to see more clearly the bigger picture together and then consciously make choices together based on that. Because if not, a lot of times people are making choices out of emotion. You know, something doesn't go well and they make a purchase because there's something that they want, but they haven't really seen how that's going to impact things going ahead. And I think that causes stress, anxiety, disagreements inside of the couple. Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. So you've walked a couple through the three steps and they have a plan. What's next? Are you talking about retirement savings, dreams? What are the next steps uh, that you would walk a couple through? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think a lot of times it takes a bit to wrangle what's happening and have both people be able to see that clearly. So yes, I'm all about having conversations about dreams and having conversations. You know, I think the big piece to start with is those dreams, like how nobody wants to just look at their finances because they should. Everything should be connected to something bigger. So what is it that we really want for ourselves in our lives? What is the contribution that we want to make? What is the impact that we want to have? And then keep connecting that to the financial choices that we're making. So yes, I will absolutely have them have that dream conversation. And then goals, for sure. Uh, you know, Some couples come to me and they say, hey, we'd really like to pay off X amount of date, um, a debt, for example, or we'd really like to be able to uh, put more towards our retirement, for example. And so I help them to get an alignment with each other around what those goals are and then see, all right, it's not as hard as we think it is. 
if we want to be able to, for example, pay off, you know, $10,000 worth of debt this year, what does that look like in the month to month? And then break that down in, you know, the week to week, for example, choices that we're making. I think once couples are aligned and they're seeing their money clearly together and they're budgeting together, then they can see access and like, um, what's the word, like a, a pathway to meet some of those goals that they didn't think was possible before they had that. And they often start to make that up themselves. And then I kind of let them on their way, to be honest with you, Chase. My goal is not to work with clients for you know months and months. It's to really get them on the same page and then be a resource to them if they want to set up like a one-off call with me if something happens in their life that they want some guidance around or they are um, not seeing things together in alignment, then they can set up like a one-off call with me for that. But I like to empower my clients in that first two-hour meeting and set them off to really be successful from the get-go. What do you advise clients? And obviously, it probably depends on the individuals. But if a couple comes to you about their bank accounts and they're combining their bank accounts, how do you walk them through that? And are there ever times where someone has a separate account where they can spend it on whatever they want? Obviously, there's a lot of different ways to do it. But what would you tell people interested in separate bank accounts, separate expenses uh, to just go and buy whatever you want, buy that grill? Yeah, that's great. Uh, so I like to call those blow dough accounts. And I find that it's much more helpful if the couple is set down and they've gone through those steps that we talked about. I am all for couples each having their, both members of the couple, each spouse, each partner having their own um, checking account that's separate or their own savings account where they're building up money and they're able to spend that on whatever they want. Again, I like to call that blow dough. Uh, they have permission if you want to save it up for 12 months and go on a trip with your girlfriends. Or if you're the type of person who's like, nope, every two weeks that money goes in. And I, I like to use that on going out for lunch, for example. It's really up to each individual how they want to spend that. I think the piece as a couple is deciding on Again, like any other bill, I'm really big at turning that everyday spending into a bill so that, for example, the couple decides, all right, we've looked at all our numbers and confidently we can put you know, $300 a month into each one of those accounts. And then each member of the couple is able to spend that as they like. There's an agreement around that. Um, so that's one piece as far as those individual accounts. You asked a little bit about like... Uh, couples having separate accounts. So often couples will come to me before they get married or soon after they're married and say, or 15 years into their marriage, to be honest with you, and say, we have separate checking accounts for our bills, uh, for our day-to-day -day spending. And we feel like maybe it makes sense for us to combine those. I am a fan of that. I think you could have them separate for everything. But at the end of the day, I'm all about simplifying and in my experience, it's a lot more challenging and a lot more time consuming and energy consuming to have everything be separate. So I will often, again, we want to lay it all on the table. If we're going to combine those accounts, we need clarity around what's coming in as far as income and what's going out as far as expenses and then find a way to merge those together. So they have one combined bill account one combined spending account 
and you really are able to see together what's happening around your money. Because if not, again, you're just operating inside of a silo and you don't have a full piece. It's like going to do a puzzle and you know that some of the pieces are missing in the puzzle, but you can't put your finger on what those pieces are. You're not sure what those pieces are. When you combine your finances and can see the full picture, it's like fitting together another puzzle piece and bringing clarity to the overall financial picture. Blow dough account sounds fun. <laughs> Lots of money in the blow dough account. Yes. <laughs> well, Amy, you've given us a great foundation to think about finances, both individually and with our partners. Are there any things that we skipped over or that you want to emphasize before we wrap up? I don't think we skipped over anything. I mean, this is a big topic. There's a lot to cover, but I would reiterate to any of your listeners that I think the first step in all of this is bringing curiosity and as much as you can, judgment-free listening to try to understand how your spouse thinks about money and try to get an appreciation of where they're coming from and why they make some of the decisions that they make. And then um, hopefully they will uh, give you that same type of listening and you can have a better understanding of where each other are coming from. Because I think you'll be much more successful in your budgeting efforts and on saving and paying down debt and whatever is important to you if you have a greater appreciation of how they look at money. Well, that's a great place to wrap up, Amy. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you online and then we'll say goodbye? Sure. You can find me on my website, which is amyscottcoaching.com. Or you can find me on my social platforms, which is uh, Instagram or Facebook at Amy Scott Financial Coaching. Awesome. Our listeners can find all the links from today's show, including your website at idopodcast.com. And thanks for coming on the show, Amy. Thanks so much for having me. As always, thank you guys so much for tuning into today's episode. As always, all the links to the guest as well as any of their recommendations will be in the show notes page. You can find the link to that in the episode description or by going to idopodcast.com. Click on the podcast tab up at the top and you will have access to all the episodes that we've ever done. There are over 300 of them. Uh, and while you're on our website, if you haven't checked out our free 14-day happy couple challenge, we really hope you do. It's a free email challenge that we send to you. It's 14 days of fun, easy, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And if you're looking for something that provides a little more help with working on your relationship, whether it's improving intimacy or communication with your partner or just bringing the spark back, we would love for you guys to check out our online course, Spark My Relationship. We're offering $100 off to all of our listeners if you go to sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock. We've worked with over 15 psychologists and therapists to create the real life tools and strategies that they are teaching their clients. So we wanted to give them to you. It's a self-paced online course that can be done in as little as a month or up to three months. You can really decide how much or how little you want to do with your partner or maybe just yourself. So we hope you guys check that out. It's sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock. Have a great day.
You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our Sex Podcast Collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.